Welcome to the show, Live Free Austin, livefreeaustinradio.com, every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. on 98.9 The Big Talker. You can also check out our website, livefreeaustinradio.com. we got podcast backlogged episodes. This is like the 22nd episode, I believe. We're really paving the way. Got a lot of great information. John Bush, Jason Rink here. Today in this show, we're going to be joined by Terry Hall of TexasTurf.org. Turf is Texans United for Reform and Freedom, and in my honest opinion, she is the number one grassroots activist right now in the state of Texas, really paving the way, pushing back on a lot of public boondoggling, a lot of public-private partnership, a.k.a. fascism going on down here in Texas, so it's definitely going to be a great show. Look, look, if you don't want to get mad, if you want to stay in the dark and not know what's going on with your government, trying to take more money out of your pocket, tax you for roads that already exist, all of these things... Then go ahead and turn off the radio. Turn the radio off. You don't want to stick around to hear what Terry has to say is going on down at the Texas legislature. And actually, no matter where you're listening, it's probably going to be creeping up into your state oh, yeah. through your governor as they try to privatize currently public things and, and bring their buddies in to feed them uh, contracts and things like that. And, and it coming that way up in Ohio, one of uh, your buddies. Terry in, Hall's nationwide, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I heard about this uh, from a friend of mine up in Ohio. And, you know, this is, this is going on everywhere because... Because you have states and cities and counties that are flat broke. Yeah. And I would feel bad for them, except the American people are flat broke too, John. <laughs> I don't know about Because you. of them. Yeah, this is, uh, this is not going to work in the long run. But, yep. uh, you know, so, so here we have, we want to we always talk about, you know, issues that are of significance to our lives and as are significant to liberty. And uh, I just came across a story this week that I wanted to talk about. And it has to do with, with Willie Nelson, an icon here in Austin. On the road again. Yes, and, and nationally known. And Willie Nelson's 78 years old, I believe. He's an old-timer. Uh, and he's uh, he got busted for, for some pot. He's a criminal. Not too long ago. Lock him a, up. That's right. Get Terrorist. rid of him. He's so violent. But it turns out that uh, he may be able to get off with a little slap on the wrist. And I think he was, he was only looking at a... Uh, you know, misdemeanor to begin with. He was going through a uh, border checkpoint, and they found, you know, a couple ounces of marijuana, and they went in and searched his, his car, which is why sometimes on the show we recommend for you to refuse all searches because even if it's a border checkpoint, your Fourth Amendment still applies. That's right. And and, and so Mr. Nelson, uh, he was found with some marijuana, and it turns out that the prosecutor says that he may be willing to cut a deal that if Willie pleads guilty to a misdemeanor, and pay a small fine, and perform blue eyes crying in the rain in court. That's that, upsetting. That that'll, be, that that'll be all. I don't like it. And I think there's a couple of issues to talk about here. First of all is, you know, many times people have this idea that libertarians just want to do drugs and hang out with prostitutes. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, don't you hear that, John? It seems like hey, that's how I spend my weekends. OK, yeah, so it's like you're a libertarian. Oh, that that's you must want to get high. And, you must want to beat your prostitutes, wife. Right. And I want to say, you know, really, this is a huge misunderstanding of what it means to be a libertarian, because when it comes to things such as putting a substance in your body in the privacy of your own home, the question is whether or not we believe that the government should use violence, physical force or threat of violence, be able to lock you up or take a fine from you for something that is essentially not a crime against another person or property. No victim, no crime. 
Is it a crime is the question. The same thing for a lot of issues that morally we may disagree on. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to support the use of marijuana. I mean, I think you get a lot less done in life. You're very, uh, you know, I I know that uh, people I know, uh, not that I've ever used it, uh, but... (laughs) You know, you you don't get a lot of lot of things done sometimes, and sometimes you eat more than you should and whatnot. Well, I know and, a lot of productive potheads. All right, you a know, a lot of productive potheads. I know. I'm there. just throwing out a bunch of stereotypes, but <laughs> and you know, and prostitution. You know, probably not a good idea. Can can cause cause some pr- problems for you in your personal life, but still, just because I disagree with certain practices people might engage in, should they be crimes? Should people be prosecuted as criminals? And libertarians say, you know what? That is not a realm for criminal law enforcement. Mm-hmm. No victim, no crime. Yeah. No victim, and no And crime. I know this is a contentious issue, but what is really at the bottom of this, too, is, is also this idea that Willie Nelson could get, you know, what some people are saying, oh, it's special treatment. And, you know, we see celebrities get special treatment, you know, and... Oh, you know, got caught with some coke or whatever, but it's cool. You're on a TV show or whatever. But the real question, so so there's issues here about uh, people being equal in the eyes of the law. Okay, we could talk about, but what we could also talk about is whether or not Willie Nelson should be like a performing circus clown mm-hmm. for the prosecutor for the state in order to uh, get a lighter sentence. Because what I really think here is that this is an opportunity for Willie Nelson. To uh, because I don't think this is a slap on the wrist. I think this is kind of uh, making light of, of of Willie Nelson a little bit. I mean, I think about it and I'm like, is he a performing circus monkey? Mm-hmm. Oh, the state says, oh, perform. It sounds. It reminds me of like Caesar in Rome, mm-hmm. and it's like perform for me, it's and we will go more lightly on your sentence. I, it sickens me actually, and disgusting. people are joking about it and talking about oh, ha, 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 you know. No, it's not that. I I don't think it's funny. No, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And it, that is exactly what it 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 seems like. It's like he's a slave, and they're saying dance, monkey, dance, and and we'll go easy on you. And it's just something so petty. And this isn't the first time that Willie Nelson has been busted for marijuana. And it's obvious that he's a peaceful dude, and he doesn't run run any drug rings or any crime syndicate. So I mean, you just need to leave the the guy alone. And this this is a message that goes out to the law enforcement out there. I can see how despic- despicable and pathetic a, a law enforcement officer, an LEO, uh, must be to actually bust this guy. I know that cops out there, police officers, sheriffs, border patrol agents, DEA agents even, they all can use discretion, and I can't think of a better opportunity to use discretion than with old, with old Willie. Uh, so shame on the police officers for pulling him over and arresting him. And, I mean, we're reaching a point here uh, in the history of marijuana criminalization where it's just about time for people just to start living free. And on the flip side, like in New Hampshire, they do these 420 protests. The House of Commons, the representatives, they uh, passed a marijuana decriminalization. So did the Senate, and then the governor vetoed it. So in their eyes, the people's house has spoken, and they're just smoking marijuana up in public. But I would encourage lo- local law enforcement to be real men, be real Americans. Don't be you know, crime thugs uh, trying to suck off the public teat so you can further give tax money and, and, 
and penalties to your police department in the local city. Just stand, be some stand-up guys. These marijuana smokers are totally peaceful people. They're not harming anybody. They, for the most part, they go about their business. So police officers have an, have an opportunity to exercise discretion, and I can't think of a better person to exercise discretion with than peaceful Willie Nelson. Well, yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. I think there was also an article that came out this week about how um, again, a government agency, you know, um, who can who can trust them? But they they're probably right because they confirmed studies that are over thirty years old that that there's uh, anti-cancer yeah. agents in marijuana. I mean, again, it's a medicinal plant. Uh, there's a lot of of benefits. A lot of the propaganda about the harms are unfounded. I mean, so this is really all about, if you want to get down to what it's about, it's about perpetuating the prison industrial complex. When you get down to it. It's also about uh, keeping the tobacco and alcohol companies yeah. uh, from having competition. There's a lot yeah. of underlying issues here that are going on rather than just the, uh, you know, reefer madness scare tactics. <laughs> and li- listen, uh, the high schoolers in this nation don't have any problem getting a bag of weed. Mm-hmm. Uh, prohibition doesn't work, people. Mm-hmm. And we spend billions and billions and billions of dollars. We ruin millions and millions and millions of lives. It's time to reevaluate this madness and say, look. Is it a crime? Yeah, yeah. And we always talk about how the state is used, these regulatory agencies, these criminal penalties, they're used in order to enforce monopolies. And it's interesting, even before the prison, prison industrial complex uh, was really being strengthened by these marijuana laws, I believe originally the campaigns and efforts to criminalize marijuana were by – uh, were brought about by uh, some big newspaper goons because they were afraid that hemp would be used in order to outcompete them. So these newspaper goons, I think it was Hearst Publishing. Mm-hmm. And then there's this guy named Henry Anslinger that really led the way. They basically just put out a propaganda campaign and and uh, uh, you know demonized the use of marijuana, if only to preserve their monopoly on the provision of newspapers back in the day. And now here we are, 80 years, 90 years later, and families are being destroyed. People's lives are being destroyed you know you get a little get popped for a small marijuana sentence that comes up on your record when you're trying to find a job right. and again it's just peaceful people doing peaceful things no victim no crime well and that's and that's what we're always talking about here is, is about liberty and about the freedom to live our lives the freedom to make choices that we want to make in our lives as long as we don't hurt other people or other people's property hey, that's that pretty was, good that was the purpose of government originally yeah. uh and so uh, we, we are going to be talking about some of these issues in an event coming up on April 16th, Nullify Now, yeah. at the AT&T Conference Center. That's uh, Go to nullifynow.com. Check it out, the Austin event. We're going to have Deborah Medina there, Stuart Rhodes, Thomas Woods, uh, he- health guru Robert Scott Bell. I like that guy. Um, we're going to have uh, Kevin Gutzman, who's a constitutional scholar. We're going to be talking about what states can do to push back against the federal government. And the marijuana issue is one that states are pushing back, and the government, federal government's pushing right back at them. There's a lot of other issues, though, that we're going to be talking about that are you know, significant to Texans and people across the country. Uh, the Foundation for a Free Society is sponsoring that event as well. Check out myfreesociety.com and stick with us as we go into this next segment with Terry Hall from Turf. We're going to talk about the big toll road boondoggle that's going on right now in the state of Texas and across the country. This is Jason Rink and John Bush, and we'll be right back. Attention Big Talker listeners. 
Want to get the real information on the agenda behind the Obama administration's policies? Brave New Books, Austin's own fiercely independent bookstore, has the resources you need to understand the Federal Reserve, international banking, and the forces behind President Obama. Brave New Books is located a block south of UT at 1904 Guadalupe Street. Contact us at 480-2503 or at bravenewbookstore.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Live Free Austin radio show, livefreeaustinradio.com. Jason Rink and John Bush here with you, rocking and rolling, moving and grooving. We have a wonderful guest on the program today. In my honest opinion, I believe that uh, our guest here is the number one grassroots activist in all of the state of Texas. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. And she's got a lot of a really big clout and a lot of strength and a lot of pull and a lot of energy uh, to back all of that up. Uh, we're joined by Terry Hall of Turf, Texans United for Reform and Freedom. The website is TexasTurf, T-U-R-F, dot org. And Terry's main focus is on transportation freedom and on uh, securing reasonable transportation policies here in the state of Texas, which is a very difficult task. Uh, she's a mother of eight. She was a homeschool mother. She still is a homeschool mom turned super mega activist. So, Terry, I want to thank you so much for coming on and thank you for all that you uh, do for the cause of freedom here in Texas. Well, thank you. And thanks to John, too. I guess, uh, I mean, you got such a great story. Perhaps you can just start by telling us what got you involved and how you kind of went from a, you know, quiet homeschool mother who was politically aware to this, you know, all-star activist whooping butt at the statehouse. <laughs> well, I can tell you they came after my road, and it didn't sit well <laughs> with us. <laughs> and what I mean is they literally are going to try and take portions of Highway 281, a road that's already built and paid for by our state and federal gas tax dollars, and slap a toll on it. Literally take every single main lane, every highway lane we have today, convert it to a toll lane, and then build frontage roads and have the frontage roads be the only non-toll option hmm. from here on out. And they actually, we got them on the record saying that they're going to toll this road in perpetuity. So this is a tax. That's not a user fee. They are converting our existing highways, already built and paid for, into toll roads in hmm. the state of Texas. And so that got us involved in this fight. I called my representative, uh, my state representative and my state senator, and I could tell something didn't smell right <laughs> as soon as I had one conversation with these people. Oh boy. Uh, she tried to play ignorant, and she sat on the, the transportation committee that actually voted these bills out. So um, we, we saw so many people at some of these TxDOT public hearings that uh, rejected this idea. Of course, they were just as hopping mad as we were. And I thought, if I could tap into the energy in that room and, you know, locate all these activists that have been, or just disgruntled taxpayers, I guess you could call us, um, and, and start working together as a group, I think we have a chance at stopping this, because I could tell that just simple phone calls to the state house weren't going to do anything. Mm -hmm. So we've been working um, night and day, really, 24-7 for the last six years, trying to keep 281 a, a freeway that's open and freely accessible to everyone who pays gas taxes and not just um, those who can afford tolls. Great, great. So the, the activism started with the San Antonio Toll Party? 
or there was a San Antonio group? It did. It did. We were actually an offshoot of a group that started there in Austin of Sal Costillo's, and he called it the Austin Toll Party, meaning uh, like the Boston Tea Party. This Mm -hmm. was a taxpayer revolt of taxation without representation because the entities that are making these decisions, by and large, are the highway department and these local toll authorities, neither board of which is elected. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge problem right there. And so we started the San Antonio Toll Party because Austin was about a year ahead of us in, as far as uh, TechVet revealing their plans to convert some of your existing roads into toll roads. Mm-hmm. And they started the same thing here in San Antonio. Then we found out pretty quickly that this was a statewide policy. It was happening everywhere. And that's when Sal started the Texas Toll Party. And shortly after that, we started Texans Uniting for Reform and Freedom, or Texas TURF. Mm-hmm. Sal has since moved away from Austin. And so we're it as far as transportation activists trying to keep and uh, preserve our freedom mm-hmm. to travel. And as, as part of the, the statewide effort to put an end to this, you probably remember the Trans-Texas Corridor. And we found out about that just a few months into our uh, fight to keep 281 a freeway. And uh, we have been fighting that beast uh, for a very long time. And, of course, we were all promised uh, during the primary last year that Rick Perry said, you can take it to the bank, that Trans-Texas Corridor is dead, dead, dead. <laughs> And we didn't believe a word of it. We no. tried to warn Texans about this. If you elect Rick Perry, you're going to get the Trans-Texas Corridor. It is one project mm-hmm. that he refuses to let die. And sure enough, uh, we now have a bill before the House Transportation Committee this week, um, House Bill 3789, that resurrects the Trans-Texas Corridor. And in, in my view, is actually worse because there's no public protections in this bill and there's no oversight by any public entity, including the attorney general's office or the state auditor or anybody, to see if there's legal sufficiency to these contracts. Oh the, the toll authority and highway department would have the sole authority to enter into these secret agreements, and no one in the public or any elected official would see it before they're signed. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can uh, – we have a lot of listeners that are out of the state, and here on the program, you know, we're big fans of bloated government bureaucracies, and <laughs> I can't think of a, a government bureaucracy that seems to be more corrupt and bloated than the Texas Department of Transportation. Mm-hmm. You can give us just a brief overview. I, I, I saw one of your little speeches that you gave to the Republican Liberty Caucus, uh, Travis County, and it was just a mm-hmm. basically just a, a, a damnation of the Texas Department of Transportation. <laughs> Maybe you can get, just give us some of the highlights of really how much of a boondoggle this, this – uh, bureaucracy is it really is it's and i think part of it has been the way that they treated the public during the excuse me um the way they treated the public during the trans texas corridor hearings that was a huge problem the way that they um misled the people they would you know change around the uh, meeting dates and times so that there would be a low public turnout uh, to oppose it in fact with the first round of trans texas corridor hearings there were more public uh, uh, TxDOT employees in the room than there were members of the public. Hmm. So uh, there was kind of trickery and chicanery there with the public hearing process to try and suppress the public knowledge of what was going on. And then I think it really got uh, to a feverish pitch as far as the incompetence of our highway department when it was revealed that they had made a $1.1 billion accounting error, quote, quote. <laughs> um, and it literally had doubled the amount of proceeds from the bonds on their books so therefore, a billion dollars worth of projects that they said could move forward now had to be canceled. And of course, that uh, got everybody angry around the state, and not one head rolled for that. Mm-hmm. Let's remember, there was absolutely no consequences for a billion-dollar accounting error. Now, if it was a private company, you know what would happen to a CEO that had overseen that mess. Yep. Um, but we've also had multiple audits now of this agency. 
Um, one of them, the most recent, was done last year by a company called Grant Thornton. So we call it the Grant Thornton Audit. And it's unbelievable the kind of incompetence that they found inside this department. Literally nearly every department within this agency received a rating that means that they don't fully or consistently meet the requirements of their job and that they have incidents that consistently or frequently impede performance. They also had uh, conversations with TechStot senior leaders that reveal a deep-seated belief that TechStot's doing all the right things and that criticisms against the organization um, would decline if TechStot were better able to demonstrate to people how right they are. <laughs> we found them doing an illegal uh, ad campaign. It was a PR campaign in Texas that is forbidden for a state agency to use public money for a political purpose, and they literally did a PR campaign to try and push the Trans-Texas Corridor and privatizing our public roads and handing them over to these foreign toll operators who will have control of our public infrastructure for 50 years at a time mm. and uh, is a total boondoggle in and of itself. Well, they used our public money to do that. Seven to nine million dollars was allocated for this ad campaign. And we also caught them hiring illegally registered lobbyists. Um, it, there's a specific provision in the code that says that they can't use state money to hire registered lobbyists. And they did that to the tune of $100,000 a month. Mm. Um, then there's the fact that they're tolling our existing roads while telling you straight to your face that they're not tolling your existing roads. So, I mean, this is an agency who you cannot even get to be honest with the public. They won't even use the word toll in their public hearings. They call them <laughs> managed lanes and all kinds of other things to try and not tell people that we're, we're taxing you. Um, so, you know, they just can't be honest. And we've had state representatives and lawmakers call them a rogue agency, that they were out of control, that we gave them too much power, that they're like a monster. It's this huge bureaucracy that nobody seems to be able to handle. And they've been up for Sunset Review now twice in the last four years. And, again, they will be up for Sunset Review this session. And the Sunset Bill, frankly, is weak. It doesn't do anything to fundamentally change the structure of how this organization is run. Sadly, it's run by five appointees of the same governor <laughs> who won't drop the Trans-Texas Corridor and who, frankly, doesn't want any changes to his highway department. He likes the fact that he can dole out all these goodies to his cronies and his buddies mm -hmm. in the private uh, road-building industry. And we're certainly not opposed to roads being built. We're certainly not opposed to road contractors getting uh, the money to build our roads, but getting control of them and the right to toll and tax us and putting that, that right to tax in the hands of a private corporation is frankly not free market. It's more like fascism. Mm -hmm. It's the marriage of the corporation with the state, and there's a huge problem with it, and it's a taxpayer ripoff. Well, and Terry, we've only got about a minute on this segment, but where is the money? I mean, who's benefiting financially from this? Is it, is it just these... Uh, people who have been given campaign contributions to Perry to get these uh, no-bid contracts or whatever they are, or what's the story yes, there? That's one, that is one part of it. They have replaced low-bid contracts, by the way, and they've replaced them with something called best value bidding, which makes it easy for them to dole out contracts to their buddies, not even based on the lowest bid. They're actually giving some, some things away to the highest bidder, costing the taxpayer even more. But I think at the end of the day, it's groups like Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, mm. Citigroup, all the finance well, well, well. bonds. Um, oh, yeah. And these are all the names we're familiar with, the same people who we just bailed out uh, in 2009 uh, when we tossed the Republicans out of office, only to get even worse, it seems, when we got the new crew of people coming in that, that did the stimulus bill shortly after that. So it's all the same players. It's the lobbyists, and that's who controls our elected officials in Austin, whether it's through campaign contributions or who knows what else. Well, yeah, and, and so what we're asking here is when are people going to wake up and know what's going on? We've got Terry Hall here from TurfTexas.org, 
And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what's happening in the Texas legislature right now regarding this issue, what we can do about it, what we need to know in order to take action and and really put a stop to what's happening. So this is Jason Rink and John Bush. This is Live Free Austin. We'll be right back. Are you tired of big government treading on your liberty? Well, so are we. We're Brave New Books, the fiercest independent bookstore in Austin. Located a block south of UT Austin, Brave New Books not only carries the information you need to be ahead of the curve, but we also have water filters, storable food, and superfoods that help you put your health back into your own hands. Contact us at 480-2503 at bravenewbookstore.com or stop by at 1904 Guadalupe Street. And we're back. Welcome back to the Live Free Austin radio show. Jason Rink, John Bush, every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. Check out livefreeaustinradio.com if you'd like to listen to some of our previous shows, some of the podcasts that we've had. We had Joe Bannister on the last program to chat about the IRS and some of the the truth behind the IRS. Um, And we've had a great lineup of guests, a lot of great insights, a lot of great libertarian theory, libertarian knowledge. And, of course, we're bringing you the news, views, and tools you can use to live a more free and prosperous life. And right now, every day, baby, right now we're joined by Terry Hall of TexasTurf.org, Texans United for Reform and Freedom. They really are shaking things up. And Terry Hall is like a one-woman wrecking machine coming in there. Uh, This lady's got eight children. She homeschools them all. And you can see her there testifying in front of the committee uh, with the kiddos on her side. Very powerful, very strong woman. And... uh, Respect her a great deal and have really learned a lot and been inspired. So sorry to toot your horn so much. I hope you're not blushing oh over there. But uh, <laughs> uh, you've really managed to uh, you know, lead quite the grassroots revolt, uh, pushing back against a lot of this boondoggle. And one of the great victories that we shared uh, as Texans for Accountable Government in a coalition with TURF. And you know, when it comes to all these transportation issues, we really just sit back and, and you know, follow your lead and provide whatever help we can. But last session, we put together a really great uh, coalition during the special session to beat back on these comprehensive development agreements. Maybe you can start by telling us what these CDAs are and talk a little bit about our little grassroots uh, effort to push back on them last session. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in Texas, they call public-private partnerships CDAs, or Comprehensive Development Agreements. Um, I don't know why they <laughs> named them that, because essentially what they are is a public-private partnership, and you can look up all kinds of information on those. And what they are is this hybridized type of a toll road. It's not a truly private road, and it's not a truly public road. Um, toll road. It is a public-private. And what that really is code for is public money for private profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially what they do is they prop up these losing toll projects that aren't viable and can't stand on their own two feet that the private sector won't take the risk on on their own. And they use public money to prop it up. And then they charge you a toll, another tax or a double tax to drive on that same road. And then they give the private entity guaranteed profits, again, having the taxpayer guarantee the profits for the private entity. So it's really a form of socialism because they're taking from one and giving it to another. And ultimately, they're also uh, involving eminent domain for private gain. In the past, we've always had eminent domain for road projects since eminent domain ever came on the scene. However, now someone's taking your land, a governmental entity uh, of some kind is taking your property, not for a public use, but so that a private toll operator, usually a foreign company, can come in and make profits off of it for 50 years 
without your say and basically paying you dirt for your land. Mm -hmm. A truly private road, by contrast, is where the private entity comes in and says, hey, we could use a competing road over here, not touching our public road system at all, but saying, hey, we could, you know, relieve this as a commuter route or whatever, and, and pay the landowners a price they're willing to sell for, build themselves a toll road, and pay themselves back for their investment through charging the traffic that uses that road a toll. That is completely different than these hybridized versions that uh, privatize the profits and ask the taxpayer uh, to foot the bill for all the losses while they get guaranteed profits that don't even benefit Texans, uh, meaning on a public toll road, that, that toll money could potentially go into building other roads if there's a surplus, but mm -hmm. not so with a public-private partnership. Mm -hmm. And we were grateful that we had the help of Texans for Accountable Government especially their proximity being there in Austin, whereas those of us that live outside Austin have a harder time getting to the Capitol. And boy, did they work the legislature with us. We worked those committee members, and they didn't even have enough votes to get the CDA bill out of committee. The governor had put the reauthorization of these types of contracts that were about to sunset. He put it on the call for the special session. He literally called this essentially an emergency item for the state. I mean, he called all the law lawmakers back to Austin. At, at who knows what cost that is. I'm sure it's in the millions. Um, and to come deliberate whether or not we should privatize and toll all of our public roads um, and this, these hybridized sweetheart deals. And there's things in there, too, that include non-compete agreements where mm -hmm. if you uh, build, or let's say it's the state or a toll entity, if you build any competing free roads, that surround this toll road, that we have to pay the private toll operator any loss in toll revenue if we build competing roads that affect their ability to uh, make their profit. And they do have profit guarantees in there, and they also have provisions where the private operator never loses money on the deal. Well, that's certainly not free market. I know mm -hmm. my husband has to work his tail off every day to compete with his fellow uh, web designers and developers and, and, and such, and, uh, and make a living. And that's not what these guys want. They're government-sanctioned monopolies. And mm -hmm. with the help of TAG and um, the Libertarians and several other groups there in Austin, we were able to kill this bill and slay the dragon. And those contracts expired mm -hmm. in August of 2009. There's a few projects that were still accepted out of that moratorium. Um, and so some of those projects will now sunset this year in August of this year. Um, but short of that, they have no authority to enter into these contracts anymore because of the grassroots uprising against it. And uh, it does involve the Trans-Texas Corridor because this is the financing mechanism that they planned to use to build the corridor. Mm -hmm. And uh, sadly, here we are again, two years later, now they're trying to do the exact same uh, model again, a Trans-Texas Corridor under a different name, and this bill called House Bill 3789, and uh, they want to rebuild that corridor, reauthorize these contracts, and, uh, and and sell off our public road system, mm -hmm. and, and it threatens our freedom to travel. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and, and people want more information on a lot of this stuff. There's going to be so much that we're going to be pushing back on again during this session. It's unfortunate every two years we've got to come back up to the State House to deal with these That's corrupt right. politicians. But, you can again, you can check out TexasTurf.org, and Terry's got a list of all the bad bills that we need to kill and the good bills. And she's got a lot of great info about lobbying and exactly what you need to do whenever you show up to the Capitol. I'd encourage you to join her newsletter, too. She always puts out all the greatest information from across the state, everything you need to stay on top of that. So we don't have too much time left. In the time remaining, I want to chat about regional mobility authorities 
and how they basically defy representative government. And then uh, briefly, let's chat about you know what it actually would look like to have a genuine private roads, because of course we're for the privatization of just about everything, the dissolution of the public sector into the private sector. But again, whenever you mix up public private, it just as you said, what is it? It's public money for private profit, which is right. definitely uh, not free market. So, what is a regional mobility authority, and how do they interfere with uh, representative government here in Texas? It was actually enclosed in a bill in 2003, House Bill 3588, that created the Trans-Texas Corridor and these public-private partnerships in Texas. Well, one of the mechanisms they were going to use to privatize and toll all of our public roads was these regional mobility authorities. Now, there had been some tollway authorities like in North Texas. They have the North Texas Tollway Authority, and in Harris County, they have the Harris County Toll Authority, where they built traditional turnpikes. Um, and those are not, they already had those roads built and they already had those uh, entities created. But now they wanted to spread it across the entire state. And ultimately, they say that this is local control, but that way they outsource the tax to these local tolling boards. Well, of course, they're unelected. Mm. None of them actually answer to we the people, and they're not elected for that purpose. What happens is the county commission, uh, excuse me, the county commissioners, they will vote. Um, to create one of these regional mobility authorities, and they get to each county commissioner gets to put an appointee on the board. But guess who runs the board? It is a chairperson that is also it is appointed, but by the governor, mm. not by the local toll entity. And huh. guess who controls the agenda of the regional mobility authorities? It's the chair, mm-hmm. and the chair is controlled by the governor who has an agenda for this state. And ultimately, what RMAs are about—that's what we call them for short. RMAs are really to uh, have off-budget debt. That's what they wanted. There was never going to be enough bonding capacity at the state level to borrow all the money they wanted for these toll roads. And that's a huge danger that we're seeing with this, these toll roads is, is the debt and the borrowing. We went from zero debt for roads to $31 billion in about five years under Rick Perry. We had no debt prior to him being the governor. We never borrowed money for roads until he uh, finagled those constitutional amendments, hoodwinked the voters into buying it, Um, Now we borrow money for our roads, and that is a hefty sum of money. That's more money than our state budget deficit right now. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's huge. It's a big problem, and we the people can't exert any pressure on these unelected appointees who basically are going to have sole discretion to negotiate these contracts if Mm -hmm. some of this legislation gets passed. Mm -hmm. Are there any genuine private uh, roads here in the state of Texas, like an actual private toll road that was built privately and that the tolls go to fund the road? and to go back into the system. Do we actually have that, or is every single toll road a, a public-private boondoggle? So most of them are public toll roads run by our public toll entities. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we have two deals that have been signed for North Texas, one for the LBJ, which is the Interstate 635, a portion of that, and then another segment on Interstate 820 in uh, Tarrant County, Fort Worth. And then there's um, another one that's actually already under construction that was the first one to be signed, and that was in 2007, the same year that we got a moratorium in place on these types of contracts. And that was for segments uh, 5 and 6 of the State Highway 130. You there in Austin are really familiar with State mm-hmm. Highway 130. That was a, the first four segments were built and kept in the public's hands, and that's a whole boondoggle in and of itself that we could go into for a while, but I won't do that. But SH-130 segments 5 and 6 are in the hands of a foreign company called Sintra. Sintra, mm. and then um, they teamed up with Zachary as the construction arm, and they're based here in San Antonio. 
But so this foreign company from Spain is going to be able to dictate what roads can be built surrounding this toll road based on the non-compete agreement that's in place. Mm. And, uh, again, we will have to pay Sintra any loss in toll revenue if we do decide to expand our free road system surrounding its toll road. Oh and uh, it, they're horrible contracts. So there's yeah. three that are currently underway in the state of Texas, but none of them are open to traffic. So we have not experienced this, but the published toll rates for those three projects will be anywhere from 75 cents a mile on up. Oh boy! Yeah, this is traffic to take those roads. It's just going to kill the working class on their way to work. But uh, I mean, Terry, thank you so much for being ahead of all this and really paving the way. And thanks for pushing back, really, on Rick Perry. This goes out a message to all those listeners outside of the state of Texas who may think that Rick Perry's the conservative and he might be a potential good candidate for 2012. He's not a conservative. He's a big money pimp. As Robert Mora likes to say, and one quick little tie-in that I that I found uh, back in '08, Rick Perry was uh, possibly considered. And actually, Rick Perry endorsed Rudy Giuliani for yes, president, and it's possible, in my opinion, that if Rudy, Rudy Giuliani would have took the ticket, Rick Perry could have been the vice president. And it's interesting to note that Giuliani's law firm actually is the law firm for Sintra. That's right. So there's this whole tie-in with the Trans-Texas Corridor, all this internationalism. And again, Terry, thanks so much for helping to lead the way, uh, pushing this big grassroots effort to really reform a lot of the stuff that's going on. And of course, the price of liberty, the price of prosperity, uh, and the price of sound uh, economics and sound transportation is eternal vigilance. And we really do appreciate all the work that you do. If you want to give out some websites or some uh, words of encouragement or anything that anybody listening could do to uh, assist in the efforts, uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. We would really love you to sign up for our email updates. That's the best way to stay informed on these issues. And at TexasTurf.org, if you go to our Grassroots Action Center, like you mentioned, John, we have a whole listing of all the good and bad bills, who authored them. We have links to those bills so you can actually read the text of them for yourself. And we summarize them, too, if you don't have the time to do that. But I can tell you that they need to hear from us, meaning lawmakers. They have got to hear from us to put a stop to this. And really, your presence in Austin is the number one thing we can do, because all they see all day are lobbyists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they see me, too, but uh, with my stroller. and my Here comes Terry again. (laughs) They see me there, but but literally, after the first five bills you oppose, they sort of stop listening. You know, they want to see fresh faces. They Mm -hmm. need to see the ordinary Texans that are going to be impacted by the policies Mm -hmm. they're trying to shove down our throats Mm -hmm. by unelected people. They just want to outsource the tax increase. It's not that they don't want bigger government. Or that they're not, or that they're really trying to uh, limit the size and scope of it, or to reduce taxes. What this is about is outsourcing that tax increase to a private entity. And just think about it: how can you pressure a foreign company from Spain uh, to lower your tax rate? You can't. And they've handed that right over, and that's the problem with having these foreign companies in control of our public infrastructure. We can't even get responses from our local people. Thanks again, Terry. We'll have you on again. We really appreciate you filling us in. This is Live Free Austin Radio, and uh, join us in the next segment. We're going to talk about too much government news, child protective services. We'll be right back. Attention Big Talker listeners. Want to get the real information on the agenda behind the Obama administration's policies? Brave New Books, Austin's own fiercely independent bookstore, has the resources you need to understand the Federal Reserve, international banking, and the forces behind President Obama. Brave New Books is located a block south of UT at 1904 Guadalupe Street. Contact us at 480-2503 or at bravenewbookstore.com. 
Welcome back to the show. John Bush and Jason Rink, Live Free Austin, livefreeaustinradio.com. Check out the website. We just had a great interview with Terry Hall, Texans United for Reform and Freedom. TexasTurf.org is the website. Definitely check that out. And we definitely want you to get involved, to educate, get activated, and liberate yourself from external control. As always, we're bringing you the news, views, and tools you can use to live a more free and prosperous life. And today I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new sponsor on the program, a very big sponsor. We're very pleased to have them on board, and they're making this show possible, uh, the Live Free Austin radio show. And that sponsor is Enterfood, Enter Health Botanicals. Enterfood is basically a powder superfood, super green foods. It's got spirulina, organic chlorella, uh, alfalfa, rose hips, um, White asparagus root, the you list know, goes on and on. Dandelion and leaf, it's great. Everything there, uh, what I like about their ingredients list is everything's organic this, organic, organic that, that, organic that. I mean, this is a real food. This isn't uh, some ground-up rocks that end up going into the city sewer system because your body doesn't digest them. Mm-hmm. You know, when it talk about whole food supplements and real food supplements, you've got to do these type of things, something like Enerfood, and they've got a number of different products. Uh, yeah, they got get. coffee, uh, they got a chocolate coffee drink. I've been taking it for quite some time. You basically just pull out a little bit of the powder, mix it in with orange juice. You can drink it straight with water. You can put it in smoothies, I believe, too. Yeah, there's actually drinks. a smoothie recipe right here, a banana berry meal replacement drink. So, I mean, it really does a lot to give you energy. If someone's looking to wean themselves off a of coffee or something like that, a drink of Enerfood in the morning will definitely get you going. So, Enerfood's going to be one of our primary sponsors here on the radio program, and they're actually going to be sponsor in a segment that uh, we started off doing on the radio show. We're going to be resurrecting the Too Much Government News. Yeah. And Rink's going to tell us the story. Usually it's a, a fun, lighthearted Too Much Government News where, you know, the police shut down somebody yeah. that's given money, to uh, given food to poor folk. This one's yeah. a, not so lighthearted, but it's definitely a prime example of way too much government in multiple areas. So, Jason, why don't you tell us the story of this absolute travity, tragedy? Yeah. And, uh, you know, normally it, it's kind of like we tell like a keystone cop story you know and it's like oh government's so dumb but when you get into a story like this that i came across and i said you know what this is just wrong on every level and and let me tell you this comes out of detroit and the 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 headline is was a detroit mother right to resist efforts by child protective services police to take her child Mm -hmm. and the story talks about um a woman named marianne who went to the Children's Center, a group that works with troubled children, to seek advice and a treatment plan for her 13-year-old daughter. And this daughter of hers was disabled um, and had never had any major behavioral problems. But this mother, uh, because her daughter was disabled, had homeschooled her for for some time and and was going to get her into the public school system now that she was in middle school. And so, of course, she had to give her some immunizations in order to get her in the public school. And and for whatever reason, her daughter was having these reactions to the immunizations, or at least that's what she suspected. And so when she went to this children's center, they, they checked the girl out, couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. And, and they did what state agencies typically do, is they prescribed psychotropic drugs to this 13-year-old the girl. The panacea for all our problems. That's right. Why not put her on psychotropics? And what ended up happening is the girl's symptoms got worse. She just wasn't herself. And so... Mm. So Marianne sought the counsel of another physician who recommended taking her child off of psychotropic drugs. And when she did that, well, lo and behold, Child Protective Services entered in and said, you know what, ma'am, you didn't have the right to go against the recommended 
plan that the Children's Center gave you. And, and though there was no court order to follow the plan, they informed this woman that unless she put her daughter back on psychotropic drugs, they would take her daughter away. That's disgusting. And she, she did what any mother or father who loves their child did. She refused. She said, you're not taking my child. How well, dare she? Child Protective Services, being the powerful agency that they are, they enlisted the help of the police and eventually the SWAT team. And it ended up being a 10-hour standoff with a 56-year-old woman who is an upstanding individual in her community and her disabled daughter. And the woman... You know what she did? She had the gall to do when the SWAT team and the police and Child Protective Services came to take her daughter without a court order, though they claimed to have a warrant that was never produced. Mm. Well, she had a firearm. And why did she have a firearm? Because she wanted to protect her home and her family from an intrusive government. Sounds like this woman might have known a little bit about what the founders talked about, about what the Second Amendment was about. Mm -hmm. It was about tyranny. And this woman was in a standoff. She ended up losing. She didn't kill anybody. She did fire the gun in her own home. She did refuse to come out. But, but eventually, she was encouraged to come out and bring her daughter out when she was told that if, if she came out, her daughter would be released to relatives. Well, it's interesting because the government's always allowed to lie to us. Mm. And what they did was they went ahead and carted off the daughter to Child Protective Services, and they slapped this woman with multiple charges. Uh, firing a weapon in a dwelling, felonious assault, resisting and obstructing an officer, use of a firearm in commission of a felony. They put her on a $500,000 bond. And I, I, I would say that more than likely, uh, the, the daughter who is now safely in protective services is probably with, on those psychotropics. With pedophiles. Yeah, possibly. That's definitely a come out. And, and it's interesting, you know, in most states, child protective services, they, are, uh, they get more funding for children who are put on psychotropic drugs than who are not. You might want to check that out. But the, the real question here is, now this woman's case is yet to be resolved. There are people protesting what happened. The community's rallying around her. Great. It seems like maybe the government has overstepped their bounds. But the question we have for you is who owns your children? Yeah, there's a bill here in Texas. We have the Texas Family Protective Services, our version of the CPS. And thankfully, uh, Texans for Accountable Government uh, managed to build a coalition last session to kill a bill that was passed. We got Senator uh, Rick Perry to veto a bill that would have allowed the Texas Family Protective Services to interview your children and get access to their records without a court order. Uh, they always operate under color of law, and most of the time people just willingly lay down because they think some governmental authority uh, has the right to do as they please with their children. So I want to commend this woman for standing up and pushing back against them. But something that really upset me, and this story really upsets me a lot, there's not much that gets me more upset than the government messing with uh, people's children, is uh, there's a bill that was introduced here in Texas. It was before a committee hearing. And this bill, if a mother, while pregnant, put controlled substances in her body, marijuana being one of those, Bear in mind, it's okay to put any type of pharmaceutical drug, sleeping pills, depression pills. There's all sorts of weird pregnancy, fertility drugs that people take when they're pregnancy. That's all okay. But if you want to smoke marijuana, maybe to deal with morning sickness or to give yourself an appetite, a lot of mothers struggle through all of that, then they're going to eliminate your private, uh, your parent parental rights. They put you in prison. You have the baby in prison, and once you have the child, they take them away from you immediately. So I say shame on you, CPS. Shame on the people that work to purvey this. It's absolutely the most, in my opinion, 
probably the most, along with the military and their incursions, one of the most disgusting institutions to exist in the history of civilization. Same on the CPS. And, uh, you know, this really hits home uh, me being about to be a father. I know you're a father. So I really commend this woman for everything that she did. Maybe we should reach out to her and try to give her some support because a lot of people get slammed and hurt badly when they stand up against these people. But if more of us were to stand up, then it will definitely be a lot easier for all of us to live freely and to uh, exercise our parental rights. And, you know, we just want to leave you with this thought today is, you know, under tyranny and when power, when individuals are corrupt and drunk on power and when we're no longer represented and when tyranny starts to encroach us, we can feel hopeless. We can feel like there is nothing at all we can do. But if we've learned anything today from people like Terry Hall and, you know, what one woman was able to do and is able to accomplish as, as she inspired others to join her, mm-hmm. we need to take a stand in our communities and in our lives. We need to draw the line and say that far and no, that, that place and no further. Mm-hmm. And so here on Live Free Austin, uh, we want to talk about these issues. It's all about freedom. It's about liberty. And it's about preserving our right to self-direct, make our own choices, and, and, and do what we believe is right. Without hurting other people, we're all for peace. We love peace. Peace. We're peaceful people. And so please join us next week. This is Live Free Austin. This is Jason Rink and John Bush. Check our podcast out at livefreeaustinradio.com, and we'll see you next week. Until then, live Live free, free, Austin. Austin.